Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. The article of this week will talk about the sudden change of heart that the European Central Bank and other central banks seem to be undergoing as they're coming across as ready to pivot. Now, I'm talking about Australia, Canada, but now also the Eurozone, as we heard today, they're starting to weigh pros and cons of calibrating monetary policy with a single objective, which used to be, until a few months ago, totally committed to bring inflation down to 2% and as soon as possible. But right now, it seems like they're beginning to consider a slowdown in the pace of hikes and most likely even a complete pause relatively soon. So we need to ask ourselves, why such a sudden change of heart? And the answer lies in the fact that all these jurisdictions I just mentioned have something in common, inherent fragilities. Be it private sector debt in Canada or the domestic housing market uh, problems brewing in Australia, also in Canada, one might make the argument for upcoming recession fears or very suboptimal architecture for a monetary fiscal union like the Eurozone, it's becoming increasingly clear that relentless monetary policy tightening will end up breaking something at some point. And hence, all of a sudden, the pros and cons need to be weighted against each other's. And that's what we heard today as well in ECB press conference. So this article will have a look at uh, the ECB meeting, discuss uh, uh, the ECB meeting implications and focus on its most interesting nuances and summarize also the main implications for portfolio allocations. Now, when it comes to the ECB meeting today, we know that the ECB hiked by 75 basis points. They brought the deposit rate to one and a half percent and they acknowledge that inflation is likely to stay high and that further interest rate increases will be necessary. Now, once you hear that, you might ask yourself, where is the ready to pivot stance I'm talking about? And the answer is that it lies in the language that the, the ECB used to communicate whatever is left of their forward guidance. Two main sentences in the press release were very interesting. The first is that the governing council now expects to raise interest rates further, which is different than to raise interest rates over the next several meetings, like it was in the last press conference, which is a today uh, wording is a much less specific reference to the hike sequencing being prolonged over time. They only talk about to raise interest rates further rather than do that over the next several meetings. The second um, small change in the press release, which was very important, is that the ECB added the following sentence. With this third major policy rate increase in a row, the governing council has made substantial progress in withdrawing monetary policy accommodation. Now, once you highlight the third major policy rate increase in a row and you talk about substantial progress being made, in withdrawing monetary policy accommodation, you are sending quite the message here as well. And third, during the press conference, Lagarde was very vocal about recession risks and the need to weigh pros and cons when moving monetary policy much tighter from here. Now, markets have understood very clearly the message from the ECB here and the terminal rate as, measure, as measured by um, one year forward ECB deposit rates being priced in by markets has dropped by over 30 basis point to now roughly 25 to 2.6%. Now, the most important question I want to answer is why such a sudden change of art from the European Central Bank? And again, I think structurally, this is because of its inherent fragilities. Europe has an over-leveraged and unproductive private sector, weak potential growth, poor demographics, a very suboptimal monetary fiscal unit, obviously those chronically expose Europe to systemic risks. 
but you know, sum up a brand new, not necessarily uh, Europe-friendly Italian government and geopolitical risks, and you see where I'm going. Now, with such a backdrop, as the ECB has tightened already by 200 basis points in a few months, you might consider to have to weigh the pros and cons of further aggressive tightening. It's a bit what the Bank of Canada is, is delivering as a message. And as you can see in the chart I, I left in the article, you can see that private debt in Canada is now higher than it was in Japan at the peak of the real estate bubble of the 90s. And you can see how European high-yield corporate borrowing rates have spiked through the roof. So these inherent fragilities are basically forcing um, those G7, G10 central banks, except the Fed so far, to start to weigh pros and cons. And in other words, the ECB is basically hoping that markets are right about inflation falling off a cliff. Let, uh, a cliff. Let's remind ourselves that spot European inflation is at 10% and one year forward, one year inflation is at 2.7% being priced in. So the ECB is hoping that markets are right from that perspective. And most importantly, they're hoping that a mild tightening of their monetary policy stance above neutral will be enough to engineer such a sharp drop in inflation. They might be right, uh, and the sudden change of heart justified by the inherent fragilities I just discussed um, might actually play okay for them, but history suggests that baby steps are not enough to slay the inflation dragon. Today, I estimate that neutral rates uh, in nominal terms in Europe are roughly 1.5%, exactly where today's ECB deposit rates are, and the market implied terminal rate now of 2.5% implies 100 basis point tight ECB monetary policy stance. Now, 100 basis point is tight, but if you look at the 90s, in order to restore price stability, France had to go 300 basis point above neutral for over two years. And if you look at past episodes of persistent and high inflation across the world, a mildly tight monetary policy stance is generally not enough to slay the inflation dragon. So will 100 basis points for a short period of time be enough this time? Yes, it could. But the ECB, Bank of Canada, the Reserve Bank of Australia, etc., are taking quite the leap of faith here. The other important change that the ECB did was to basically tell banks that the free carry party is over. The ECB drastically changed the remuneration mechanism for TLTROs, which are this cheap funding mechanism that allowed European banks to borrow almost 2 trillion euros at very advantageous rates during the pandemic. Now, the idea here is simple from the European Central Bank. If you incentivize banks to repay these TLTRO loans, you shrink the ECB balance sheet, and at the same time, you also ease the collateral scarcity in Europe. Now, the Eurozone's excess liquidity is massive. The balance sheet of the ECB um, and sorry, the Eurozone excess liquidity is over four and a half trillion euro. And this gigantic amount of excess reserves is at odds with a tightening monetary policy stance. So the ECB is looking for ways to shrink the size of its balance sheet. And the two obvious candidates are quantitative tightening and reducing TLTROs. Now, the ECB is well aware of the dangers of quantitative tightening in the Eurozone. Don't need to remind you about Italy, Greece, etc. And hence, one of the easiest ways to do that instead will be to incentivize banks to repay these TLT euro loans. This is a more viable option because the hope is also that correcting the imbalance between the very abundant level of reserves and the scarce amount of good triple rated quality collateral, German bonds mostly, correcting this imbalance will ease the collateral scarcity in Europe, which is very evident as two-year German government bonds command a very large premium to Euribor swap rates or ECB deposit rates over time. You can see the chart uh, that basically depicts in one single picture the European collateral scarcity here at play. Now, will the ECB succeed 
in getting European banks to repay early? Yes, I think so, because changing the incentive scheme will, at the end, bring Europe, uh, European uh, commercial banks to repay some of these loans and hence to shrink the ECB balance sheet. But less excess reserves in the system, more bond issuance to fund energy subsidies and other fiscal maneuvers might also end up requiring wider risk premia in Europe. Now, now that we discussed the ECB meeting, I want to move to how did the markets respond to this ECB meeting? And what about the implications for portfolio allocations? In the article, I shared with you guys a snapshot of the Euro rates and credit section of my volatility adjusted market dashboard. And in there, you can see that uh, changes are color coded to reflect the magnitude of the move. The darker the color, the bigger the volatility adjusted move in that, in, in that instrument. And I did that to show you literally visually what I look at the screens when it comes to grasping what the moves are around a certain event. And here in euro rates, what really moved is that OIS rates, so rates reflecting future ECB deposit rates drop materially, and that's easy to understand as the ECB basically came in as dovish. Front-end volatility also came down pretty materially, but the biggest volatility adjusted movers were curve steepeners and real yields. And they also make a lot of sense because if you are telling me as the European Central Bank that you will be more reluctant to tighten monetary policy further, even if inflation is, is still at 10%, I have to do two things. I have to price in lower short-end bond yields because of your stance being less tight, but also assign a bigger risk or term premium to inflation persisting over time, which means yield curves need to be steeper. And second, I have to assume that real yields will be lower over time because your commitment to have a tighter monetary policy stance, especially prolonged over time, has now materially dropped. Now, when you look at this kind of reaction, at this kind of repricing of the monetary policy stance, what does this mean for portfolio allocations, especially if other central banks, for instance, the Fed next week, would experience a similar change of heart? Now, if you use the macro compass quadrant framework, that would materially increase the probability of a move from today's quadrant four to quadrant one, or at least marginally increase that probability. That, let's, let's talk about why. Um, a move north on the macro compass means that the monetary, uh, the, the relative monetary policy stance is, is basically not so tight anymore. So the rate of change of this monetary policy stance, which means that the next step is less aggressively hawkish at every iteration, if this change in the monetary policy stance flatlines and the new monetary policy stance crystallizes into, yes, it's tight, but it's not extremely tight territory, that would move us north in the macro compass. And even as forward-looking macro indicators keep looking very bad, it means you move to the quadrant one part of the macro compass. You can follow that um, much easier, I guess, if you look at the, at the image in the article. Now, in this particular iteration of quadrant one transition, I think that bonds and gold could do particularly well. But given that here at the macro compass, we use data-driven and a systematic approach behind portfolio allocations and trade ideas, before we also change our mind on the back of the central bank's change of heart, we need more evidence, especially from the Fed that next week, that such a sudden change of heart is becoming more widespread. So for now, the long-term ETF portfolio remains pretty defensive, and the tactical portfolio has taken profits on the short Russell 2000 trade um, and remains pretty lightly positioned, awaiting for further opportunities. 
we're basically looking at the window and awaiting um, further portfolio allocation and macro tactical opportunities. If you want to have a look at the year-to-date performance and the portfolio statistics of the tactical portfolio, they are attached in the article and luckily they're looking pretty decent. Now, this was all for today. Thanks for listening, guys. If I may be um, asking you one last favor, that would be to be so kind and click on the like button in the article and share the article around with friends, colleagues in your, in your network so that we can spread the word about the Macro Compass because it would really make my day. Thank you guys and we will talk next week.